So I should address something at the top of the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, on the last episode, I said that Sony sold Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. They did not. That was a I misspoke. They sold Crackle. Okay. A majority of their shares of Crackle. They still have Crunchyroll. Um, it's a very successful service with all with a lot of anime on it. Mm-hmm. And Sony is still the winner of the streaming wars because they don't overspend co- money into Crunchyroll, and they just kind of let it do its own thing, and it's profitable. So. Sony's still winning, but they do still own Crunchyroll. My bad, guys. I said the wrong one. It happens. To me, more often. (laughs) Them's the breaks. Them's the breaks, yes. yes. At least we're fact-checking it. At least we're fact-checking it, and we are back. How you doing? Good. How about you, my friend? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I'm excited. We have a very fun show today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, Uh anyway, we do have a uh, very, very fun show today. We're going to dive into one major topic. Uh, go into the B-roll, which is just some, some headlines we wanted to bring to you guys, and then we'll dive into the box office. Nicholas, what's the big topic we got going on today? Uh, so our big topic comes from not really um, one of our major sources, but it definitely picked up by some reputable sources and has begun kind of trinkling around the internets, um, and that is that Jeff Loveness, who most recently wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and is currently working on Avengers King Dynasty is in fact no longer working on Avengers King Dynasty, not due to the writer strike, which obviously he wouldn't be working on it, mm-hmm. but that um, he was let go or parted ways or separated, creative differences, yes, all that normal stuff. Yes. Before I dive into it, let me quickly fix that light. Yes. So yeah, the big story here um, th- that this kind of kicked off into us looking into is that Marvel is kind of replacing a lot of the writers mm-hmm. on their upcoming things. And this was even before the writer's strike, but I think the writer's strike is kind of, Marvel's kind of taking this as, you know, a an lot opportunity. A, a, an opportunity. That's a big problem with a lot of our content right now. I hate to use that word content. A lot of our movies and shows is they feel rushed or they feel not complete and there's too much too fast, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't be a problem if they were all great. Mm-hmm. And not all of them are meeting their level of expectation that they used to have. There are a lot of people doing MCU rewatches right now. And a lot of them will tell you, like, yo, there was a period of time where each one of these were just bangers. Yeah. And I think Marvel's trying to get back to that. And part of it is Kevin Feige being stretched too thin. Part of it was for Phase 4, mandates from Disney and Bob Paycheck of they have to hit a certain amount of content per year. Mm-hmm. But now, I think they're finally taking a step back and going, pump the fucking brakes. We need to fix our shit and start doing it correctly like we used to. Yeah. And... It starts with the page, and they've started taking steps into doing so. Now, where does this come from with the Jeff Loveness and the Kang Dynasty? This came from The Hot Mike, which is a show with John Roca and Jeff Snyder, mm-hmm. which Jeff Snyder brings a lot of scoops to the table. And he and at the very, very end of the show, he didn't come prepared with it. At the very, very end of the show, mm-hmm. he said, oh, I'm just getting this. And he's like, I haven't confirmed this yet. I need to run it by some people. Jeff Loveness is out of Kang Dynasty. And it happened before the strike. He's like, this is what... He goes, I'm reading it right now. This is what it says. And so, maybe it comes out that this isn't happening. But we have a few examples that we know for sure that it's happened to aid this. And while The Hollywood Reporter and The Big Trades haven't jumped on this yet as of being a thing that's happened, it is looking like it is. it has happened because some other lesser sources who have been reputable are coming out saying, yes, we've heard the same thing. So... Let's start with Jeff Loveness first, mm-hmm. assuming that it's true. He wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yes. He also was a writer on Rick and Morty. Yes, I have some of the episodes that he written pulled mm-hmm. up. If people are Rick and Morty fans and would like to know, 
the biggest ones being uh, the Vat of Acid episode, which I think is personally one of my favorites. I love that episode. Um, and then uh, two in season five, Mort Dinner, Rick Andre. I don't remember which one that one is. And Rick Mariah Jack. But Vat of Acid episode. Yes. Now, granted, what writing one good episode of Rick and Morty, I don't think should qualify yes. you for. But yes. However, we've seen Stranger Things, right? We've seen yes. the, the Russos who directed Community episodes. Yes. Make great movies. Not without Marvel, though. And we've seen um, Ooh, a little spice from the boy. A spice. But and we've also seen um, that happen with a number of independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But now we're starting to see that backfire. A lot of people are wondering, you know, is the talent pool just not there? of indie people than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. I think the case is they would bring indie people, but Kevin Feige would be right behind them to where if something was going on, it's his IP. He could be like, hey, let's you know nudge this direction, nudge that direction. It's basically they had a really good coach in their corner. Yeah, And you see with sports all the time, a good player can be a great player, but if they have a bad coach, they can do the wrong thing and mess up and you know ruin their stats and it's you know it happens and eventually you can create your own arch nemesis yes have them go run a rival studio <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> now they're they're friends but they, they I, are, I'm, yeah. I'm joking but, but yes it's but, funny yeah um i think that's what's happening is a lot of these indie people being brought up don't have the coach in their corner anymore because he's too busy mm-hmm. and he's trying to be less busy um we've heard that they're going to put out two movies two shows and that's going to be the new standard which i think is pretty good, good. yeah and um sometimes weekly sometimes all at once uh yeah yeah we'll get into that later yep. but i think that's what's going on and they're trying to kind of kevin feige not only wants to be there but he also wants to clean house and have new writers so mm-hmm. that it can be if he can't be there it can run well on its own because yeah. he's mentioned several times with sam raimi and dr strange that he he was very pleased with that production because sam raimi is a pro and he like didn't have to do much in terms of like helping him direct the movie yeah work with big budgets although it was uh the actress who plays america chavez did say that michael waldron did 33 drafts of doctor strange 2 which is and that's the one they went with well here's the thing (laughs) it was first of all i like that movie i'll defend that movie but it's also the pandemic and they swap release dates with spider-man yeah and they couldn't get daniel craig like a ton of stuff went down with that movie it's actually crazy the movie's as good as this <laughs> but i like the idea too that like hey thanks for doing that yeah thanks for the hard work the 33 your reward here's secret, secret wars, wars. which gonna is gonna 50 be 50 we're gonna need 50 drafts <laughs> enjoy good luck yeah and hey we'll see <laughs> if he's gonna still do secret wars yes yeah, but right. um you know he also did loki the first season i don't i don't think he's showrunning the second season uh, i'm not sure but um going into the writers thing yeah. Um, this isn't the first time we've seen Marvel do this recently. Um, Blade, the new Mershala Ali film, which seems to just be cursed at this point because it had to stop production again right before the strike. But the reason it stopped pre-production is because right as the strike was going to happen, they hired a new writer. They hired the creator of True Detective, which we briefly did talk about, yeah, I think. Yeah, Nick uh, Pizzolato. Yes, and he is doing rewrites based on a script by Michael Starbury, mm-hmm. who replaced a writer previously that was attached with the original director of the film before they changed directors. Yes, uh, Stacey Osi-Kofer, who yes. did uh, the HBO Max, or HBO show Watchmen. Yes, and also another writer that's been thrown off mm-hmm. into the mix was um, the Deadpool, Deadpool 3. Mm-hmm. 
originally Deadpool 3 had different writers than the writers of the first two films. For re- yes, they had the Bob's Burgers writers. Correct. For reasons unbeknownst to everyone. But as the production was gearing up and things were getting going, they fired the writers, brought back the original writers with Ryan Reynolds, and they did the whole thing mm-hmm. again. So you're starting to see this trend of Marvel's catching it early, basically. Because there's only been a few times throughout Marvel's history where mid-production or right when production was about to start, they made a bunch of changes and were able to fix it. Quote-unquote fix it. Like Thor The Dark World. Huge example of them just changing a movie while they're shooting, bringing in extra writers, bringing things to change, trying to create it into something that it wasn't going to be originally. And um, whether it worked or not is up to the viewer. But uh, also, you know, it has worked out well before. I mean, Iron Man did that just because they were a ragtag group of hooligans trying to make a movie. And they had to start shooting. But I I think going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, um, Loveness no longer doing Kang Dynasty, the Blade Riders, the Deadpool 3 Riders all getting switched up, I think is a sign of they're starting early as to what the changes are going to be. And they are committed to making those changes. Well, now, now going into Jeff Loveness a little mm-hmm. more, because we're looking at Avengers Kang Dynasty, which is being directed by uh, Daniel Cretton. Dust, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Dustin yeah. Daniel Cretton, sorry. Um, and with Avengers Kang Dynasty, there's kind of some things going on behind the scenes, right? So do you think Loveness's departure is more on the side of a new direction, uh, critical reception to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, or stuff of their need to make major changes because a titular character is having some behind-the-scenes legal troubles. All of the above. You think it's just a catch-all of everything? Yes. So I think it's a little bit... Because with Quantumania, it's not mm-hmm. you know it's not fully Jeff Loveness's fault. A lot of stuff got messed up with that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they were being horrible to the CG people. The CG people couldn't finish sequences, so they just removed scenes from the movie. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe those scenes were scripted very well and helped you know we don't know but um i think while kang is still going to be the i think it would be a big mistake if they got rid of the character of kang yeah because of the jonathan majors thing that would be a mistake just recast but i think they now have new plans ish for how that story is going to go and that story that they want doesn't align with what jeff loveness was making and jeff loveness doesn't want to make the story that they now see Gotcha. I think that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or I think Michael Waldron is will submit a draft of something. They're like, we want it to be like this. And he's like, all right. And he'll just do it. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I think that's a bit what's going on. And Jeff Loveness has spoken how the negative reviews of Ant-Man 3 did get to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And no shame in this. I wouldn't be surprised if he was just like, I don't know if I can go through this again, you know. And With Avengers, yeah. like the, the, yeah. the uh, movies. Because people, people just pretend that shit is easy. Yeah. It's not, hell, I made a mistake on the information about Crunchyroll. People fucked me up online. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to get through that myself. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, you know, it's it's not easy to do, you know. Yeah. So, like, I would get it. I'm, and I'm not saying that's what happened, but, you yeah. know. But um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing more stories of this writer's been replaced, this writer's been replaced, this yeah. writer's been replaced, and it'll be interesting to kind of see how it goes from here. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, do you think there's any correlation also between writing for animation and writing for 
because what we're seeing with these trends is it's Rick and Morty writer and mm-hmm. it's um I believe She Hulk, which I wasn't was. necessarily too big. That was another yeah. Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. And they've written other stuff, obviously, but yeah. predominantly their credits. And uh, now same thing with like Deadpool. Those were Bob's Burgers writer. And Bob Burgers is my favorite of the adult yeah. animation, yeah. you know, Western mm-hmm. US based ones. Yeah. Um, but do you think there's just something that doesn't click between that? Or do you think it's just a greater? I don't think that's the issue. Okay. You know, we, we've seen, especially in writing, a bunch of animated writers be able to make the transition. Directing mm-hmm. is a bit of a different story. Okay. But I think that... Writing's writing. It's characters. Writing is it's... writing. They know the animated world they're writing for. They know the live action world yeah. they're writing for. And I think the reason they went and got Mick and Morty writers, because we're, not, we're not also not mentioning that Michael Waldron was a Rick and Morty writer. Yeah. Um, is that it was time travel and multiverses. Gotcha. And I think that was the, the get for them. Mm-hmm. And with the case of the She-Hulk one, it was also very self-aware and... Yeah, the meta-ness and, of yeah, it. So yeah. I think that's what they were kind of looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when you've made 30-plus movies and dozens of shows, it's hard to find writers who are just available, you yeah. know? Because there are a lot of... I'm sure they would love to get fucking um, Noah Baumbach to make a Marvel movie. Does mm-hmm. Mo- but does Noah Baumbach want to make a Marvel movie? Probably not. Now I don't know, but... I have a question, too, now with um, the writer strike bringing this in, yes. right? So, obviously, now Kang Dynasty needs a new writer, yes. if this report is true, yeah, right? With the writer strike happening, our writers can't take on jobs, even if there's no... The only thing they can keyboard, do... You know what I mean? The only thing they can do is writing-wise... Mm-hmm is write like a spec script for themselves that a studio is not asking them to write. Yeah, I'm not so I'm not saying writing, right? Oh, okay. But like can like let's say uh let's say they just uh Nick Nick Pizzolato did not join Blade before mm-hmm. the writer strike, right? Yeah. And now the writer strike's happening, Blade needs a writer. Marvel can't go to Nick and say, "Do you want to write the new Blade?" No. And he can't accept it. Can't happen. Okay. Not that he tar- like yeah yeah but yeah. like hey when this is over yeah can't conversation can't happen really if it if it does the writer can't respond oh okay you can't pitch either so basically Kang has no writer no until writer the strike ends yes interesting okay and I think that um you know we're gonna see what goes down with Jonathan Majors I know he has another court appearance in June mm-hmm. where that they'll really dive into what happened yeah and depending on how that goes. You know, because right now Marvel's doing the approach of we're going to see what happens here. Yeah. But also, I don't know if you saw this leak. They when they did the press release for Ant Man and the Wasp for going on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which just happened, they sent out a press release to a bunch of trades to do the announcement, and in the email said, "Under no circumstance are you to mention Jonathan Majors." Oh. So they're they're playing their cards close to the chest. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to make a decision on firing him unless it comes out in court that he is, in fact, guilty and that he did this. But it also... But there's court of public opinion, too. Yeah, too. So is it too far gone so it, on but that? It, it would have to be very clear vindication. Yeah. Like, but also, if Jonathan Majors agrees to go to trial, they might just fire him because that's a lot of time, Yeah, you know, that Marvel just doesn't have, which would be kind of shitty for Jonathan Majors if he was innocent. Mm-hmm. But... From from a company perspective, like, what do you want us to do? You know, yeah. like... Now, let's say... Let's go into a hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say they're getting rid of Jonathan Majors. Okay. Right? Gone. Right? 
Next appearance, King Dynasty. Would you, if you were Kevin Feige or Marvel, right, mm-hmm. would you go the route of trying to write in a new King variant that's a different actor? Or would you just Edward Norton, Rhodey, just... It, it depends on the story they're telling. Put the new character in. Because from the end of Ant-Man, it would look like they would have to do the latter of just, it's a new actor for everyone. Yeah. But I think... Because right now we know that he's going to be in Loki. Mm-hmm. And I also have heard that they are not changing that. I no mean, how can you? It comes out in two months, yeah. right? Yeah. But like in October, yeah. Not two months. That's secret invasion. <laughs> yeah. Close though. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, there's no fixing that. Yeah. But I think if you were going to tell the story, first of all, if that's going to be your story choice, don't base it around the actor leaving. Yeah. But if you're going to tell that story, I think you have time to introduce a new version in the shows and a movie and then you can have an event where he wipes out the other Kangs. Like yeah. you could do that. Mm-hmm. But if not, if that's not the story and the story was how you intended it from the end of Ant-Man, then keep going do it with a new actor. I feel like the less least disturbance and workflow would just be new actor and mm-hmm. audience of just like, you know, yeah, we had to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I mean, hey, there's a lot going down with that. Um, yeah, and it's it's a whole thing, and uh, I think now we're ready to move on to the B-roll. And as we mentioned uh, earlier, the B-roll stories are just headlines that we didn't have time to fully dive into, but we still wanted to bring you the news of what's going on in the world mm-hmm. of movies. So, what do we got next? There, there's one at the end that I'd like to talk about a little more extensive outside of a B-roll, just because I think it's interesting. Yes, but I'll run through the other ones here. Mm-hmm. All right, so our first B-roll story, uh, May Kalamawi, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, who was most recently Layla in Moon Knight, has joined the cast of Gladiator 2. Yes, good for her. Yes, and speaking of the Gladiator 2 cast, unfortunately there has been a cast change-up. Fred Hetchinger, who was in 8th grade and the Fear Street trilogy and Mm -hmm. most recently White Lotus, has replaced Barry Keoghan due to scheduling conflict with Barry Keoghan's schedule. Yes, that's a shame, but it happens. Yes, it does. Um... A little follow-up from last week, David Zaslav, our favorite guy over at HBO and Warner Brothers, um, he came out with a quote that was interesting and kind of ties it back to last week where he's like, we need to start bundling the streaming services before someone else does. Yep, we just (laughs) mentioned that on the show last week. Um, Going into the world of Marvel, uh, Brianna Hildebrand and Shioli Kutsuna are returning to Deadpool 3 as... uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and I can't remember the oh, girlfriend's the name. name. Yeah, but she goes, hi, Wade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Seth Rollins from WWE has yes. apparently joined Captain America New World Order. And we found out from set photos. And we found out from <laughs> Seth fo- set photos. Yes. Interesting about that. Did you see the rumor that they might be changing name? I did. I yeah. I see that rumor. I'd be, I'd be curious yeah, where they're too. going here. Mm-hmm. Um. And then got two more here. Uh, SAG AFTRA has ordered a strike authorization. We uh-huh. kind of um, went into that a little bit during our writer strike video and said mm-hmm. that oh, the DGA and SAG might all be going strike. So this does not mean that they are on strike. Yeah, Batman died. <laughs> this simply means <laughs> that they are going to start pondering the idea. And that they have, I believe that means they have approval to strike if they decide to, right? Yes. Like SAG after Basically, all the members. When they have their meeting with the producers, if they decide that the deal was not met, they can 
go on strike. Yes, exactly. And um, we would talk about that one more, but oh. they haven't striked yet. Listen, if they strike, holy Get shit. Get ready for a three-hour episode. Oh, oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> That'll be big a big time. episode. Yeah. Um, and lastly, this is one I kind of want to dive deeper into. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name because I always do. Chiwetel Ejiofor has joined the cast of Venom 3. Yes, he has. Now, obviously, he has been in many things. He is a terrific actor. But what's most interesting about this is obviously he plays Mordo in Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Correct. Now, the article did not say who he is playing in Venom 3. As a matter of fact, it says who he's playing is being kept under wraps. Exactly. So, I don't think it's Mordo. And that's a fair assumption. But I gotta say, before No Way Home and before Multiverse of Madness, I would have said, you're crazy if you think it's Mordo. I don't think you're crazy now. Because here's what we know. Who helped Spider-Man with his multiverse shit? <laughs> Bless you. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, Wong and Doctor Strange. Yes. Who was in the end credits of Spider-Man No Way Home? Venom. Venom. Who's closely connected to Doctor Strange? Mordo. Mordo. And who's kind of bad? Mordo. Mordo. But here's my thing. Do you think that Marvel would allow that? Probably not. Because I, <laughs> if you ask me, I think that Mordo was supposed to be the big bad of Doctor Strange 2. Originally, yeah. Originally, with what they set up. And maybe that rubbed him the wrong way with his can. It was just like, well, they're not giving me what I asked for, so I'm jumping ship. And doing that. Yeah, no, look, I think the odds are overwhelmingly he's not playing Mordo. Yeah. No. But I'm saying if we find out he is playing Mordo, yeah. it would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Now, are you familiar with the character Null? Oh, I know who Null is. That's my guess. That would be fucking cool, actually. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I hope it is Null. I hope it's Null, too. Uh, hopefully that develops more. And I know that most recently also Juno Temple from Ted Lasso, she plays Keely, yes. has joined the cast as well. Yes. I think that she's going to be the symbiote that's on the Spider-Man ride at Universal. Oh, so, uh, wait, no. But wasn't she technically in Venom 2? Wasn't that who Carnage was dating? Or am I thinking of a different character? Yes. So in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, mm-hmm. um, Naomi Harris plays Shriek, who is Carnage's girlfriend. And on the right, it's Scream. On the right, it's Scream. Got it. Very confusing. Got it. But so you think she's playing Scream? I can see her playing Scream. Okay. That'd be fun. I think this is. I think this movie is going to be just a big old symbiote adventure. I'm just happy that Michelle Williams is making money. I hope she's in Venom. Is she confirmed still. for three? I don't know. No, you know who needs to be in three? The boyfriend. <laughs> he was great in two. What's his <laughs> name? What's the actor's name? He's so good. Reed Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. <Listen>, Dan. <laughs> listen. I'm still amazed that Andy Serkis made that movie. He had fun with it. He did. He's and not I, coming for three, though. No, because no, no, no. it's the writer, the writer of yeah, yeah. one and two, yeah. Tom Hardy's partner. Mm-hmm. Right on. Do we see Spider-Man? Ooh. I'm going to answer your question after I see Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> That's the good answer. And what shenanigans they pull in that. Because, I mean, I think it would be crazy if a sorcerer pulled Spider-Man into that universe to try to kill him. Named Mordo, but whatever. <laughs> I 
I just wanted to be Mordo so bad. I know it's not gonna be. Listen, it, you know, here's what it is. I know that the I know that the I know that the Marvel Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland mm-hmm. are in collaboration with Sony. Yes. I, however, don't consider them Sony movies. <laughs> no, they are. Yes. Does that make sense though? Yeah. Because they're MCU. Yeah. If Tom Holland is a voice or a live action appearance in Across the Spider Verse, I think that opens it up. I don't think that they would do it in Venom first. Well, they did it at the end of Venom too. Yes, but they put Venom into the Marvel universe. Yeah. I'm talking about him being pulled into the Sodyverse. Okay. Because Spider-Man did not multiverse travel yet. No, not yet. And I could see them doing that in a animated form first. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Also because I think all of them are busy. Do you think we get all three again? Maybe Secret Wars. Maybe. You don't think animated? That's a possibility. That's but what I, I don't mean, think right? it's in this one. I think it's in the... Part two? Yeah. Do you think we get any of the, the, the three live action in this one? I know something. Oh. <laughs> All right, cut that then. Cut, 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 cut. Maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, but yes, lots of Venom 3 shenanigans. And before we move on, I do want to briefly mention a B-roll story. Um, we know when Loki and Akio are coming out. Oh, yes, we do. Loki is coming out October 6th, mm-hmm. which will be the traditional weekly releases. And by the way, they moved it back to Friday. And the finale of Loki comes out the same day as the Marvels. And Which will you be watching? <laughs> Simply both. I'll that, watch Loki. I'll watch Loki on lunch. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching the Marvels Thursday night before. But <laughs> oh fuck that too. But um, Echo yeah is dropping November 29th and it's dropping all at once. Yep. Which is not a good to me is not a good sign. It, it to me it shows that they want it in and out of the pop culture consciousness as quickly as possible. They don't want six to seven weeks of yeah. They don't yeah. want the book of Boba Fett problem. Yep. And um, will I be taking off work to watch every episode though? Yes, I will. <laughs> Probably because <laughs> I'm Daredevil and Kingpin are in it, <laughs> and and I and I like the character from Hawkeye, so yeah. I'm I'm excited. But yes, with that down, we are now going to move on to the box office. The box office section of our show but before we dive into all that nicholas what were our predictions from last week yes uh dalton you had fast x guardians 3 mario book club evil dead or if you follow my typo typo evil with a u dead (laughs) i had fast x guardians 3 mario evil dead and are you there god it's a me margaret (laughs) it's a me (laughs) that was good all right let me let me see if we can pull it up Mm mm-hmm Again, these are the Sunday estimates, so please keep that in mind. Uh, coming in first is Fast X, making $67.5 million. Coming in second was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, making $31.9 million, a 48% drop from week 2 to week 3. Coming in third was Super Mario Brothers, making another $9.8 million. And coming in fourth... Book Club, the next chapter, making another $3 million. And coming in fifth, Evil Dead Rise, making another $2.3 million. Were any of us right? Dalton, you were right. Hey! Hey, yo! Sometimes I don't fuck it up, you see? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's all good. 
Um, now I kind of wanted to take a deep dive into some of the numbers and I'm going to dive mostly into the Fast and Furious franchise. But before we do that, I want to dive into a little bit of how the movies are doing right now. So let's pull up Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm-hmm. Right now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has made worldwide $659 million. That's 2.6 times budget back. We're in profit territory. Good for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's a very good movie. Super Mario continues to dominate. It has $1.238 billion now. Uh, Book Club, the next chapter, has made $16 million worldwide. It doesn't have its budget. I don't know how much the budget is. I don't feel like looking into it. Mm-hmm. But it has $16 million. And Evil Dead Rise, $141 million. It might get to one fifty. That's crazy. For a $15 to $20 million, what was going to be an HBO Max movie. Does um Does Guardians crack Bill? At this pace? Say it again. Does Guardians crack a billion at this pace? It's definitely going to get to 800. Okay. It depends on how much it can hold throughout the summer releases. Yeah, because I mean, we have what? Little Mermaid, Spider-Verse, Flash. Those are all going to take a hit on it, right? Yeah, big time. And uh, let's see. Let's dive into Fast and Furious here. First Mm -hmm. off, Fast Facts right now has $318 million worldwide. Okay. On a budget of 340. Jesus Christ. That's so expensive. (laughs) So this needs what? A lot. A lot to Probably be profitable. Probably 700. Jesus. But anyways, um, let's dive into the Fast and Furious numbers here. And um, I have pulled up... Well, Nick put the chart together. Thank you, buddy. Mm-hmm. We've gotten the opening weekends and then the total worldwide numbers of each Fast and Furious movie all the way back to 2001. So let's dive into the first three here. The Space Odyssey? <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. That was good. Oh, sorry. That was Fast 9. <laughs> Son of a Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. That was good, that was good. Uh, coming in first, or not Jesus Christ, I literally was on autopilot. And was coming like, in first, Fast five, and Furious 1. one. <laughs> you know, Fast and Furious 1 uh, made $40 million in its opening weekend and had a total worldwide gross of 206. Ooh. Too Fast, Too Furious made $50 million in its opening weekend and it made 236 worldwide going up. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift made $23 million in its opening weekend and only had a total worldwide of 157 By the way, you're going to see a fun jump in Rotten Tomatoes scores when we get to uh, Fast Five. <laughs> As you can see in the charts here, it went from 55, 36, 38. On to the next couple, Fast and Furious, which is the title of the fucking fourth movie. 29 Rotten Tomatoes, opening weekend, $70 million, so it had a big jump bringing the stars mm-hmm. back, and then a total worldwide gross of $359 million. Really successful. Fast Five, 78% Rotten Tomatoes score. Big jump. Jesus. Made $86 million in its opening weekend and went on to make $629 million worldwide. This is when they started seeing... I mean, they, they had seen success previously, but this yeah. is like... Success. Yes. Fast and Furious 6, 71 Rotten Tomatoes score. Opening weekend, $97 million. Total worldwide total, $789 million. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Fast and Furious 7 was the first across the billion dollar mark. Opening weekend of $147 million. Total worldwide gross, $1.5 billion. It's their highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Fate of the Furious, which is fucking, I forgot that's what it was called. Um, opening weekend, $98 million. Total worldwide, $1.2 billion. And I gotta give it to them. That's fucking good money right there. That's that is good. still good money. That is money, baby. Next, Hobbs and Shaw. Especially Aiden. Yeah. 
Hobbs and Shaw had an opening weekend of $60 million and a total worldwide gross of 760 which is fucking good for a spinoff, Jesus Christ. And now we're going to dive into F9, The Fast Saga, the most previous film, mm-hmm. which had an opening weekend of $70 million. Okay, so a bit of a drop. Yes, but this also came out mid-pandemic. Yeah. And th- this was one of the first big movies to bring theaters back. And it had a worldwide box of a total of $719 million dollars so profitable yeah yeah you could say that it was made on a budget of 200 million made 3.6 times money back now fast x right now with its 60 million dollar opening is pretty low compared to fast 9 and some of the other ones it actually the last time we saw an opening that low was uh, hobbs and shaw which opened at 60 but for a proper fast and furious movie that's going all the way back to um, around Fast and Furious, the fourth one. But even that opened to 70. It's the lowest one since Too Fast. Actually, no, lowest one since Tokyo Drift. Gee. But that isn't always a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We can see it hold. We don't know. I think the next week end is going to determine where it's going to end up because these make a majority of their money overseas anyway. However, it's not looking great overseas because in China, the numbers are far significantly lower than what they were for the other Fast and Furious movies. Mm -hmm. But like I said, this is going to be a story of how is it going to do its second weekend? Can it have a really strong hold like Guardians or is it going to have a hold like Ant-Man? Yeah. We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But that's kind of the deep dive into Fast and Furious. It again infuriates me how they title their films. I, I've i gone over this before on the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I... Listen, I hope it's successful. I, they're obviously... I think they're going to make enough to do the next one and call it the final one. But if they want to do that trilogy that they were talking about it at the red to, carpet, the, uh, I don't know. The next one the needs next to week, do well. Yeah, and the next weekend's going to determine how this one's going to do to determine if they can even have that conversation. So, yeah. Because I think if you market the next movie as this is the final Fast and Furious movie, I think people will come. Like, yeah, you know, any finale in that way gets the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yes, that was the box office and Rotten Tomatoes journey of <laughs> Fast and the Furious. <laughs> but, uh, but yes. Yes. Uh, Want to hop into predictions? Yes. Let's do predictions for next week. Were there any a- other box office things you want to go into? No. All right. Well, I guess we kind of covered Guardians as an overview. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, May I go first? You can go first. I'm going to go with The Little Mermaid. Fair assumption. Then I'm going to go fast. Okay. Guardians, Mario, and Book Club. Ooh. Now, granted, I did not check to see if anything else is coming out against Little Mermaid. Anything that is, it's not huge. Yeah, but is it huge enough to get... The three million the book club got, you know? What does come out this weekend other than Little Mermaid? Let's see. The Starling Girl. First I've heard of it. Oh, About My Father comes out. Ooh. How much did Mario make? In the new Gerard Butler movie. Mario made 9.8. Mm-hmm. And the Machine movie, but I don't think it's going to make a lot. I'm going to go About My Father in fifth. Okay. Instead of book club. I think About My Father can get more than three. Or I guess if it's a 50% drop. It needs to get more than 1.5. Yep. The machine will get more than that, too, I think. I mean, it has a niche enough audience where I think it will. I want to see the machine. I do, too. Here's my predictions. Yes. Hmm. Little Mermaid number one. That's going to open to well over 100. Yep. Let me do a quick calculation here. I think it's going to be Fast X in second place. 
Guardians in third. Mario in fourth. Fuck it. Evil Dead Rise, fifth. Yeah? All right. You really have no confidence about my father, huh? It's not that I don't think it'll make money. Yeah. I don't think it's going to... I think it'll stay. Mm. Like, it'll make $2 million every week for a few weeks. Gotcha. And I think Evil Dead Rise only dropped 36% last week. And so I think it can drop 36% again and be mm. fine. We'll see. Italians are going to flock to the theaters. We can only hope. That's. I think I think you might have won next week. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely see. Maybe the machine sneaks in there. Who knows? Dude, it could. That would not shock me if the machine snuck in at number five. Popular podcast that they're definitely promoting it on. Mm-hmm. Well-known comedian. Yep. Mark Hamill. Yep. It, the machine could easily sneak yeah. at number five. Be curious. Yep. We'll see. A uh, battle of comedians for fifth. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But uh, but yeah, um, I think. Oh, before we before we leave on the show, I want to point out we didn't have time to do. I didn't have time to do reviews for them. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to tell the the audience, go see the movie Blackberry. It's fucking great. I love it. Oh yeah, are we saying it was good? It's amazing. I was gonna go try to see it yesterday. Uh, there were no show times at Disney, oh. and I didn't want to drive tall tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. I finally watched Sizu. Oh, what do you think? I really liked it. It's, it's perfectly it. good, right? Yeah. I I love that it was a Western. Yeah. And I, the last line of the movie. Makes the movie. Oh, my God. Yes. It was amazing. And I. I love the commitment to every bit, too. I do, too. And the violence was awesome. And I liked it. You see how what I meant, though? Like, I wanted the John Wick action levels, which I knew I wasn't going to get. But, like, they kind of prioritized yeah, the, the, the shock but of the But the, cho- the choreography didn't bother me i thought the choreography was fine the choreography was fine it was just lackluster i disagree i think it was i thought it was very well done Mm -hmm. and i think not every 55 year old can be keanu reeves that it fair and and i think that um for their how low the budget was because you can tell a little bit yeah the cinematography was great that was my favorite like aspect and the 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 set pieces they go for it man listen they had no right or budget or cgi capabilities to do their giant third act in a plane yes exactly okay okay were you like did you buy into the movie enough that when the thing happens with the plane that you just accept it or was it did it take you out because i was like because the pacing got a bit and before that yeah but they they do enough crazy stuff leading up to it to when when he was driving towards the plane, I knew exactly what he was going to do. And I was like, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, I'm talking about the end of the plane set piece. Oh! <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked it because it made no sense. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't care. If, I don't care because of how bonkers yeah. the set piece was. If anything got me to the last line of the movie, I don't care what happened before. That's, that dude, how about was... the part when he's hanging and he puts his yeah, in the rock? So oh. Oh. oh, go see Sisu. Sisu is fun. Blackberry is great. I'm gonna try to see. Flash. Um, <laughs> I don't know when I'm gonna have time for this. I'm trying to see Hypnotic and Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Mm-hmm. I really want to see those two. I really um, want to see the machine. I didn't know that was coming out. Yeah, that I, might I also, be my weekend. Fuck, I also want to see the machine. God fucking damn it! There's so much to fucking do. But uh, but yes, that's that's gonna be it for us today, guys. Unless you had anything to add. Uh, nope. All right, cool. Well, I've been <laughs> Dalton Brudette. I've been Nick Ericio. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye.